Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Conversation, the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. In this conversation, I'm with Adrian and Dan once again. This is the last episode in our series of the life cycle of an employee or a team member. And it's been fantastic to get all of this laid out in the format that we've done. Today's topic is what Adrian lovingly refers to as the postmortem, <laughs> meaning, hey, let's unpack all let's unpack all of this once it's dead. <laughs> meaning, once the person has left the organization, what is it that we can learn? How do we behave? How do we interact with our employees? How do we write them a recommendation letter if their performance wasn't? perfect in our organization. We talk about all of these things. Before we jump in, I have to mention one more time, changeimperative.com, change-imperative.com. This is the ebook that Dan wrote. You can get your free copy. That's right, 100% free. Uh, and this will outline all the players involved in your company, their MOs, how they interact with each other, how they will react to change, and how you can help them affect positive change in your organization. Go get it for absolutely free. Great. Let's go get into the conversation. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the conversation, the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. I'm here with Dan and Adrian as usual. And we're rounding out this five-episode series of the life cycle of talent. Uh, This has been a fantastic series. I think really valuable. We've already started using it with our clients uh, as assets just to send to them directly and uh, have found some real use in that. So, so grateful for this series and the things that we've uncovered here. We are, uh, last episode, we talked about how to exit an employee or a talent uh, team member. And this one, this episode, it's going to be a little bit shorter, but we wanted to wrap all of this up about it's really the question of what now? Right, we had this person come into our organization. We did, uh, we did what we did with them, <laughs> and uh, and now what? They're they're gone. And how can most importantly, how can we learn from this experience? I was just telling both of you before we hit record. I think, at least for myself, I'll I'll keep this on myself. As a leader in the past, I have looked to people exiting my organization as proof to all of the stories that I have already made up about the market, the organization, that person, on and on and on and on. And uh, I'm really good at that. I, I can find that evidence. Um, and I'm saying, I know there's something, uh, there's a different way to look at this. There is an opportunity for us to learn through this process of uh, people leaving our organization or our teams. So I wanted to just, I, I want to put that out there right up front. How can we make this an opportunity for us to learn about ourselves as leaders in the organization and the way that we're interacting, the culture we're building uh, as we as we look at somebody exiting or has exited the organization? I think you start with realizing that when you brought them on, they were a promise. You you hired them because of the promise that you saw in them being on the team, like mm-hmm. what it could be. So you didn't hire them to fire them. <laughs> so that's that kind of blows up the whole. See, I can't believe it. I'm you know I, I'm so as I make myself right about whatever reason they're leaving is probably that's probably a good vector to go to look into about what you missed. 
whatever your biggest complaint about them is, is probably that place where I miss them, where I didn't want to talk to them, didn't want to be bothered with it. You know, whatever those complaints are, are probably places where I felt helpless. And now I'm blaming them for it didn't get done. That's mm -hmm. one look at it, right? Because I can start to learn because when we, we were locked arms and we were looking at the same vision when we got in there, right? Now, the exit interview, I might learn a lot about what I missed, but I want to come in with an open mind, which was, hey, they were promising at one point. Now, I'm happy they're leaving. What happened? Mm. I really love that. They started as a promise. And I would just say, at least when I hear Dan say that, it seems so intuitive to do that. Um, and to chunk it down a little bit, you might do, see it as like a as like an inventory. Yeah. Right. So them leaving is a result of something. And you've you already the fact that they're leaving or the fact that you fired them, you know, there's been already tons of baked in stories that led up to that, right? But if you look at them leaving and then you decide to wonder about it for a second. Yeah. Instead of trying to get past it, right? There's lots of momentum. How do we get past it? How do we move on? How do we do, you know, which is essentially our necessary conversations. But if we go only there, because you need to be in those conversations, but if you only go there, then you're going to miss something that's right here. You're going to miss some of the gift of the breakdown. So in order to do that, to get to the gift of the breakdown, you might want to do a little bit of what I would just call an inventory. inventory. So they left, right? So what are... What are their reasons? And hopefully you heard them. What are their reasons for leaving? What are our reasons for them leaving? Whether we let them go. Like, what do we think happened? How did they contribute to that? And then how did we contribute? How did I contribute to that? Right? Mm -hmm. so look for the responsibility that I've got. Look for the ownership that I've got. Even, you know, even, let me, let me even be more specific. So let's say the complaint is, the uh, this this person never hit. It's easy, like around sales numbers. The person three quarters in a row didn't hit their sales numbers. Now that's easy to say. Great, we're firing them because they didn't hit their sales numbers, and that would be true. What else is as true or more true than that? What else could I have done that I chose not to do, or what else could I have seen that I chose not to see? What else was I just even blind to? Because you, you might have a story that, oh, I didn't see it, or I didn't, I didn't think, or you know, I didn't. Uh, I, I already had that conversation. I had that conversation with them once. Instead of, and people usually stop there because they feel all justified about it. But how many conversations was I willing to have? How was I in those conversations? Right. This is a deep well that, if you just choose to practice the the, the exercise, you're going to learn a whole bunch. From it, right? And then you're, you're going you're gonna to walk out stronger because they left. You will. Because they they're moving on. They're not going to care about what's happening behind them for the most part. But you get to choose to like really what I just usually call like squeeze this moment. Anytime I'm in pain, I know that my machinery wants the pain to be over as quickly as possible. My machinery like um, my head. Yeah. You want out of the discomfort. Out of the discomfort. Yeah. Um, and therefore, we usually... We, we miss out on a lot of the learning that happens through the discomfort. And there, therefore we will reproduce the discomfort again in the future. Mm. So to slow down and like want the pain, like squeeze it, you know, I, that's the analogy I use, like a sponge, like how do we get the most of this moment? And that usually comes from some 
um, non-ego based reflection. So that's, I'm just doing inventory on it. What was their, what happened? What's their view on what happened? What's my view on what happened? What was their contribution? What was my contribution? If you do that thorough enough, that's actually going to serve even some of the future conversations we're going to have here around how to talk about it, because that then you, you could, that type of thinking will provoke more responsibility in the person that's having that thinking, but even more responsibility in how we talk about the transition that's going on. Because if I can own it, then actually I can stand taller in it. Hey, this person's, for example, this person's leaving. We all know there were some challenges for a good while about this, blah, blah, blah. I'm sad about them going. As I've been thinking about it, here's what I missed as a leader. And because what you're missing with the person that's leaving, you're probably missing other places. Yeah, now that's, so you bring up a very powerful dynamic, which is, and I I think it's usually when people leave or if they get to the place of leaving, there's a way of being in the problem that is probably endemic to them leaving. Mm -hmm. Like wanting to get out of the stress and find a solution quicker than it is than to find what the problem is, like really understand the problem. And to really understand the problem, because most of the time we human beings look at a problem and then we go, oh, I don't like this problem. So now I want to get on with a solution. But what I'm looking at is the, I'm looking at the symptom of the problem. And I, I, you can see this in the greater society. I mean, you know, there's a lot of issues that we're facing as a greater society and people just want to take the symptom and legislate or do something against the system. And then we go, well, why does this keep reoccurring? Because you know what? It's really a two-step process. First step, get connected to the problem. What is the problem? What is the true breakdown? So if somebody didn't deliver their, as you said, Adrian, their sales goals for the last three months or a month and a half or two months, it's not, that's not the problem. Mm-hmm. It's what's producing that, that, what's behind that's the problem. That's just the symptom. That's the result. Now, what can I learn about the problem? And it could be a number of different ways, things that are going on, ways that this person is relating to the organization. I remember we were raising money with a team, uh, a team of executives, and <clears throat> this one exec just wouldn't raise any money. When, when it came down to it, when, you know, I, we just, I noticed that was myself and three other execs were raising all the money out of eight execs. So when we started having conversation. I just said, let's have a conversation. Let's let, instead of pushing on everybody, Hey, go enroll. You have a great network. Why aren't you enrolling? Let's just sit down and talk about why wouldn't you want someone to invest in this country company? Let's just talk about why wouldn't you want them? Well, it started coming up that I one, you know, the CMO didn't want to get in, didn't want to, Go raise money because she came out of a uh, a startup that lost millions of dollars and investors that she knew and friends and didn't want to go ask people to invest in in this company, right? That's one thing. And we started, we were able to explore that. And when she started seeing that and started seeing, what, well, what would you need from a company that you were going to go raise money from that would you would feel good about? Well, this, this, and this. Well, they were all there. And as she could see that they were there, then she got excited and went and did it. But the point is, not raising the money wasn't the problem. The problem was relating to this as if it was a a failure like the one that they just came out of and the fear of having that happen again. And so 
being able to get to those kinds of before you put a solution in, right? So, oh, well, let's just go again and raise money. Let's try it again. Let somebody else talk to your people. That was one. One person said, why don't we just let Dan go talk to me? Oh, no, no. That's not, not going to solve the problem, right? So understanding the problem is crucial. And usually the what caused the problem will show up in the way I relate to the exit interview. Mm-hmm. Whatever contribution I had, particularly wanting to get through it too quickly or find the solution instead of take the time to break it down. Or or prove that you provided everything that was needed and, it, yeah. and it's their problem. Yeah. Yeah. The, and that comes from, you know, if the culture is built on, as Adrian said, a, you know, a, a results built on competency, we can look up and go, well, you don't have the results, so something must be missing from me. I mean, what's wanted from me that wasn't, what have I been unwilling to give? What can I give now that I was unwilling to give? Mm-hmm. Right? Something could be anything. I mean, it could be something I did. What was I willing to not give? Yeah. Right? It could be anything. Here's a, what comes to mind to me is, is to, to search for the principle beyond the personalities. Like yeah. even, even like the conversation beyond the personality, because, you know, he's leaving and we could like think that all of his complaints are just inside his body. And so when he leaves, those complaints leave with him. Probably not. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There are his complaints. The opportunity is is to is to listen to his complaints. Even this person that you're probably demonizing. If you're firing them, you're probably demonizing him or like making him the bad guy. That's natural human behavior. We can have a whole conversation about that, but let's just say that's true. I'm thinking he's leaving. Now, the way to the way to actually learn from this is to say his I wonder where his complaints are hidden right now, inside the walls. You know, I, I'm thinking about a, a story with a client of ours recently where they were, he was on site, big, uh, huge uh, project that's happening. And he was in this big team meeting uh, with these people he doesn't work with very often. And one of the people said, I don't want to be here. And his reaction internally, our, my client, his reaction internally was, F this guy. Can you believe he would say that? That he would, you know, and he wanted to like get on him for saying that. I don't want to be here in front of all his peers out of, and then my client was like scared of it and judging it and all this kind of stuff. And after we talked about it, it's like, well, he's probably the boldest person in the room. And I wonder who else is feeling that. And he was actually the one you ought to champion because he's being honest with what's going on for him. Mm-hmm. And he went back and had a conversation about how others might also be struggling, but be struggling silently. And when people struggle silently, they're usually dusting off resumes. Or creating conspiracy theories behind the scene, making you pay one way or another, or phoning in their work, right? Phoning their work. That's right. So in this context, it's like listen to the complaints of the lever, and then leave the lever alone. Who cares about that person anymore? In some regard, but those conversations that are there, you, yeah, I'd go on a search party on where they also might be internally, because if you can sniff them out now, you can get to them before they get to you. You can get to them and intervene in them, and actually proactively, let's talk about it. Who else is thinking about leaving? You know, and like to to be on your toes and to know, hey, whatever you're complaining about, let's talk about it. Let's deal with it as as a complaint that you want to solve, mm-hmm. not as a complaint that you want to use to leave. Yeah. Very different I, I had a guy uh, hired as a CEO 
paid him, I paid him more than I was making when I was in that position. The guy's pretty sharp, but he just ran the company straight into the dirt. <laughs> you know, it just, and about halfway I through, they do that. I really hate it when they do that. <laughs> but you know, about a year into it, I went to confront him about this, to talk to him about it, and he got defensive. I just said, "Hey, look, this isn't working. What you think you're doing isn't producing the results. Look at the results." And he, he got mad at me because I did it. You know, when I talked to him about it, he didn't like it. And so I thought to myself, okay, well, screw you, man. Go ahead, beat your head against the wall. You're going to find out. Literally, I thought that. And then I thought to myself, I don't want to work with this guy anymore. I, he doesn't even want to work. He doesn't want to really think about the issues that are really difficult. He wants to just do his own thing. That's what I made up. So I stopped talking to him. And of course, things still spiral. And when I exited him, he said I lied to him. Right? And in my mind, I'm going, oh, look at the results. How could I lie? You know? And then as I started to think about it, I just thought, I'm just going to think about where might I have lied to him. And, you know, I lied to him because I really, at the point when I confronted him to talk about it and he pushed back, I didn't want to work with him anymore. And I didn't tell him. And if I would have just said, hey, look, the way you're working with me makes me not want to work with you. I don't want to work with this. Uh, you know, I didn't have any of that conversation. I just went straight to, I was a young guy, went straight to, oh, we'll just we'll just see how well you do it. I'll just take it over and turn it around, right? Yeah. That kind of thing, right? And Which was more about me looking good in my own eyes. And so I was lying to him. I was lying to him on, on actually a couple of levels. I didn't want to do that. I actually didn't want to have that job anymore. I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't tell him that. I didn't tell him a lot of things. So I did lie to him. And I and why he was saying I was what he said I was lying about wasn't where I was lying, but I could see I was lying. I actually owned it. But hey man, you're right. I didn't realize it. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, knowing that and being able to catch that would have made a big difference because I could have, who knows, would have opened up if I would have just went right back to him and say, look, this isn't working for me the way you're working with me. Can we talk about a way we can work together? What did you hear? And I realized he heard what I was saying when I thought about it as an attack upon him rather than a support for him. Mm -hmm. So I know my mood must have been punitive. I started really looking at ways I had set him up or I had hooked him in a way that would make me write about what I was thinking. And it cost me and the organization a lot. Mm. A few hundred thousand dollars at least and lots of time. So not good. Along alongside this idea of learning from the exit, uh, I think it's interesting that there's a there's an interesting behavior that happens often in organizations that I've observed that when somebody leaves, they become the easy scapegoat for why other things suck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and why we're not meeting our goals and why this thing's not taken care of and why this client's angry. And uh, as a leader, I think, you know, we have to decide how long we're going to allow our organization to use the person who exited as an excuse for poor performance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, in some of that, some of those pair, some of those um, those lines that are drawn are accurate. Yeah, right to your point. Like some of the the, the lines, the, the 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 connections are there. Because I, I would say that the major distinction is, or like in the interim, 
just a little bit the last episode in the end between someone saying they're going to leave and them actually leaving to, to go to the people that will be taking over. Hey, by this date, I want the transition complete. You know, so you do whatever it takes to make sure the transition is complete so that when they're gone, it's seamless. Mm-hmm. Like that hasn't happened. Um, but even after, if they leave, if they leave quickly, I would talk with the, the transitioners, if you will, those that are taking over. Hey, how long is it going to take in order to have this, everything all tied up? Because they have their own previous job. Plus now they're taking on new things. But if they're not intentional about being like fearless and thorough about the, the transition, then probably they're going to leave a lot of loose ends and they've got a lot of reasons why they must. And you think about it, these are a lot of leaders don't like to have these conversations as if they should not have to have them. But right. if you're going to lead, right, you're leading, you're not doing the work others are. So this is how you're with them to support them in fulfilling their work and how you become a resource to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, to, to those on the team, they could use it as a get out of jail, get out of jail free card. Right. The person's gone. You could put the blame on them. And how long are you going to allow them to ride that horse? Yeah. Um, and and getting, like you said, Adrian, back to our other conversation, our previous conversation, is getting very clear, hopefully before they go, getting very clear on what needs to happen so that nothing is dropped. And then that excuse or that story can't, can't continue. By the way, I remember thinking, I remember being on a staff and somebody left and I picked up a bunch of work from them. And I remember thinking... This is why I want to stand for them winning. Because if they don't win, they're here. <laughs> my mind works. I remember sitting at my desk going, shit, I should have been on this guy's team a long time ago. Now I can do all this work. <laughs> can, we, yeah. uh, can we talk for a moment about writing a recommendation? You guys mentioned it in our last conversation. And I want to, uh, I know, uh, especially, um, you know, it's one thing to be le- to be losing somebody who uh, put in some great service in your in your company for years, and they're moving on to different and new or better opportunities. You know that that's a prime setup for a good recommendation letter. Right, uh, and then we have the other probably majority of the people that are leaving our organization. Maybe not majority. That's a that's an assumption, but that weren't exactly satisfactory or weren't. Uh, you know, there was problems and, and were talked to about it multiple times. And then they were forced out um, or fired or let go, or it was a mutual agreement that they, it's best that they go. And, you know, you both mentioned still writing a, a, a recommendation letter. Uh, what's your suggestion to leaders as they think about what the content of that letter should be and how they can set the, the person up to win, but also be honest about what what went on and and i think this this i'm asking this outside of anybody that's stealing or you know being dishonest or maliciously affecting the culture in a negative way yeah well here's my approach um I, my thinking about it is that I mean, as a leader in the organization and it's your organization or you're a top leader there, you're definitely going to stay. At the end of the day, you want the organization to be stronger after they leave, right? And to be smarter after they've left. So if they're leaving, even for bad reasons or whatever, you want your your primary responsibility is for the organization that will still remain here. 
So part of even this, I think about the, some of the principles that go into it. Because I want them out in the most, if I want them gone, if I want the, even if I want them gone soon, I want them gone in the most expeditious um, and responsible way possible. Like what's the fastest and best, like most thorough way for them to exit out? Yeah. And that's different for different positions, different for different leadership uh, uh, places in the organization. Like that's all going to be customized and nuanced. And part of the writing the recommendation letter, because they're going to say something about you afterward. Yeah. They're going to say something, right? So you might be, you might as well be generous to them even beyond what they deserve, right? I think that's a good strategy. I think that's good humanity and it might help the process go sooner. So principally, I'm, I'm protecting my own. I have my own, the organization that's beyond. That's the number one thing. How do I get mm-hmm. them out as fast as possible and responsible as possible? And writing a letter is a way to like give them a gift on the way out. You don't lose anything by being kind, um, except for your own ego, maybe, if you want to like prove your point or make them pay or something like that. But otherwise, you don't lose anything by being kind. Now, how do you write the letter? I, I don't. Th- I mean, you don't want to lie about it, right? And there's obviously reasons why you're letting the person go, but you don't have to write about those reasons. You can write about what's good about the person, or why because you hired because you hired them for the promises. Dan was talking earlier. Like there are things about the person that you really enjoy, and you can go through and find the things that you really enjoy. And I think maybe the challenge for people that why they wouldn't write the letters, they don't think they could write it without quote unquote telling the truth. Yeah. So. I think you could write the letter and say all the great things about the person and give an opening, you know, if you're willing to do this, is that is if they've got questions to let you know. And because you're not going to want to put out their, it's not a recommendation letter if you're going to put out anything negative to them. But it, everybody knows they left there for a reason too. And there's something that didn't work back there. So anyway, that's my view about it. You could give, tell, speak of their attributes that work or that could work in the future. Cause maybe you just found out it wasn't a good fit or something like that. What are the attributes that could work in the future? And if you really want to advocate for the person, you make yourself available for a 10 minute conversation with somebody. Yeah. Those are those, that's my view about it. What do you think, Dan? Yeah. I, I, you know, what you're talking about is me. It's, it, it's that um, it's caring enough about them yeah. to, uh, to see them off, but also to retain what it is you can learn from it, and that's that's a big deal, you know. And if you're if you're all fired up and you got to make them wrong, well, you know, you're just going to repeat the same thing over and over again. <laughs> that's a great point. Like yes, yeah, so it's like Groundhog's Day. Yeah, and you know, it's like it isn't like you take care of it with one person. Oh, this person's just a bad apple, or you know, no, you know, the question is how did this how did this occur in my organization? What was it? I wasn't paying attention to mm-hmm. how could I pay attention? Because again, they were a promise. And when they came here, they had hopes and so did we, and they didn't get fulfilled. That's d- disappointing. And so how do I, how do I find what I can take back to the organization? And and I think, you know, it's a, it's a forensic process that's well worth the, the time it takes to do it. And, it isn't a lot of time, but it's really interesting how, Adrian, you brought this up, I think, on the last episode. Are these people, we just go, well, I don't have time for this. Well, actually, you don't have time. For, if you don't have time, it's for what will happen if you don't do this. Because yeah. if you don't, the, the time you're going to take, 
it's like there's a number of things you can learn in the next interview. It, you know, it might be the position that you've got designed. It might it might be the deliverables. May be it might be too much for people. It might be you know who knows it. it it, it might be their attitude. How did I onboard them? Did they know what was expected of them? Did they know what kind of devotion it would take? How much time did I spend with them? Or did my, the managers spend with them, whoever's running, whoever they're reporting to, training them up? I mean, there's so much you can chunk into this. Mm -hmm. The point is, if you don't have listening for it, you will never find it. And it will continue to plague the organization because... It, you know, it's called the, we call it the, the, um, the pattern of one. If, you know, if it happens once, it probably has a pattern. It's probably a pattern that's just emerging. So I might as well understand this as best I can. Yeah. And what Adrian said works. I mean, yeah. In my book. Yeah. I mean, the, the letter, the letter is, is, is something that you can leverage to help the process go well. Yeah, it it more or less it more or less states like look when I write a letter to somebody who didn't work out I can find their strengths yeah right and I'm going to communicate about their strengths if they call and ask me about them I'm going to tell them what I thought thought were their weaknesses so you want to make sure that you've got those covered or at least she's aware or he's aware of them and you're aware of them I could even own what I missed with them which I've done before like you know I had them on staff I thought this was going to be fine and. You know, it wasn't, and I didn't follow up, and I didn't give them the kind of support they needed. But, you know, if I would have, it probably would have been a different story. You know, mm. you know, there's I can own that as well, right? But I have found that most people, when they call for an interview, they don't want to hear just all great stuff. They want to know what, you know, what, what are the downsides? So, yeah. you know, I want to be honest about how what I thought that didn't work for them, how they handled it, and how I may have missed it as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I know there's not anybody in my life that I have worked with that I couldn't write three paragraphs about their strengths. Yeah, that's it. It's like, I might have had them in the wrong position. That's what I mean. I might have put them into a position that really wasn't, you know, they didn't, they probably liked 30% of it or 40% of it. And, you know, pretty soon they went, I don't want to do this anymore. But they might have been yeah. very well suited for something else that required what they like to do more. There's a lot of things to consider in there. The, the thing is, yeah. are you open to it? So when you write the letter, if you're really open to it, then you can write a letter of recommendation that's you're not lying and you're pointing to where this person could be well done, do well, and that might set them up for a good job with somebody else. And if they want an interview, you know, if the, the, the uh, other party wants to talk with you about it and get a, a review or interview about them, then you can tell them, you know, a broader you could expand on what, what didn't work and what you might have owned in it as well. I know that when we do, we do, I'll take references, but I always like to hear, like, I ask them, why did you leave your last job? <laughs> always ask that. And if they make the other person, they make the, the organization the problem, I go, I want to explore this person a little more because... Mm -hmm. You know, sure, I don't doubt that the organization had those faults. I'm just wondering what it was that kept you from navigating them in a way that would work. You know, like, where do you hold, where are you, what are you responsible for? Mm -hmm. right? It's, right? And if the organization, again, as Adrian said before, if they're externalizing, then like that. And and if I took them in like that, then when I'm exiting them, I'm probably going to hear the same thing when they go. 
which means we're probably externalizing to a large degree. Well, this is uh, let's round off this uh, this series. This has been really great. I want to give you guys if there's anything, any remarks you want to make, brief remarks you want to make about the life cycle of an employee, things that we've uncovered, or any patterns that that are true through all of these phases um, that you would love to drive home. Uh, and if not, that's great too. But this has just been this has been wonderful. I'll give you guys the last last say. Well, I mean, biggest picture for me as we think about this is. First off, to realize that there is a life cycle is that I mean, people get in trouble when, when we all do this, like we get in trouble when we're naive um, to the ebbs and flows of life, the ebbs and flows of someone working with us. There are going to be upsides and downsides, moments, bad moments, stunnings, endings, begin, you know, beginnings. And really, as a leader, you know, knowing all those possibilities. And as a leader, how you manage those conversations, how you initiate those conversations, how you flush them to the surface, how you want to hear things you don't want to hear, like choose to hear things you don't want to hear, want to engage the things you'd rather avoid, um, you know, want to correct the things you would stay with self-correct, like break up the naivete that things are going to work out without intervention. You, as a leader, you just choose to be an interventionist. And the life cycle is just, is that kind of, Willingness to see the fact that if I, it's going to have a natural flow to it. And you could, people could want to leave and then you reinvent and they stay again. They go again, they reinvent themselves inside the, the company, but might, you know, craft themselves anew. Um, that's possible. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing is just to be open to this versus, you know, you've, you've, been, you've been with this person for five years and you haven't had a conversation about how they're really doing. Do they still want to be here? You know, are there things that are there complaints that they, you know, that they've given up on? Are there things about me? You know, it's like being really into this open feedback loop about how people are doing what they want or things in their life might have shifted you know, and they're suffering, you know, or they're trying to make it work and it might be good for them to move on. So anyway, being connected to the conversation is my biggest invitation for folks. Um, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, I would say that. You can hire the best talent in the world, but if you're not willing to work with how they're being with each other, yeah. then you're going to have a very scattered and uncomfortable, disjointed and ineffective culture. You're going to find yourself working three times as hard to get the results as if they were aligned. And the alignment happens in creating, inventing, you know, inventing, reinventing how we work together. So when something comes up, you know, it's practicing, as Adrian said, that openness that you're willing to hear the things you're chosen to hear the things you don't want to hear. You, you're looking for them. You're and you're willing to be an interventionist. As, and you said it well, Adrian. That's kind of the idea is, though, don't think that it's automatic. If that culture's if you let culture go, if you're not willing to engage like what we're talking about, you're not willing to engage how you're working together, then your culture is going to be determined willy nilly by the most influential personalities who may or may not be aligned with what you're up to. Yeah. And, and you're going to pay now or you're going to pay later with interest and penalties. Don't forget. <laughs> it's a shit or a dirt when it comes the first time. And if you don't eat it, it's coming back as a sandwich. And if you don't eat that, then you're getting a couple, two course, three course, seven course meal. Yeah. 
Well, and, and all the challenges around what you're saying, Dan, I just point out, those are just human issues, right? There's a natural drift of humanity. It goes towards self. It goes towards blame. It goes towards victimization. It goes towards avoidance. It goes towards survival. That's where the human being goes. And you put him 500 together in a room, that's where it's going. Unless you decide to do something else. Which but somebody is- intervenes, takes a stand. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's, and that's our passion. That's our conviction. That's, our, that's what we love doing is to come and have talented leaders know how to have these conversations, be willing to have these conversations. This is, I mean, I, my mouth starts watering whenever somebody's willing to deal with what's going on. I mean, we've got a handful of clients right now that they're in some great transitions and we get really excited to get to be ringside, right? Yeah. And, get to talk to them in the corner in between rounds and get to, you know, help them see things in fresh ways. This is really what that prob- part of our expertise and sets us aside as a, or sets us apart as an organization is us love to get into these vital conversations because where the pain is, is where the life is. So anybody that's listening and thinking about, thinking about how much you haven't been thinking about this or thinking about where leaders might be or what you've been tolerating We'd always love to have a conversation with you just to support you and to support them because um, you're going to work. You're going to work somewhere. You're going to do something. You might as well enjoy it. That's right. And yeah. it's the conversations that make worth work worth going to because they can take them back home. And that's right. Yeah. That's right. And uh, I, I want to mention too, as we sign off here, the change imperative, you can go to the change imperative.com and get an ebook that Dan wrote upwards of 70 pages of outlining all of the characters that show up when you're affecting change in an organization and how to communicate with them and how they interact with each other. And it's, it's really powerful work. And you know what we're talking about, onboarding, engagement, um, exiting, it all falls under change management. Um, it is a change to the organization. And so uh, I would go check that out. We'll link it in the in the description. But this has been fantastic. Thanks so much, gentlemen. Thank you, Chad. Awesome. Love you guys. Thanks. Goodbye, everybody. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast.